Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm angry that women aren't listened to. I'm angry about the medical gaslighting that's going on. I'm angry about misogyny. And I'm angry that the conversation about female hormones hasn't really moved on in the past 80, 100 years. Welcome to Women Are Mad, where we invite women to bring their anger into everyday conversation. We're all feeling it. Let's get together to work out what to do with it. I'm Salima Saxton. I'm an actress and writer. I'm Jennifer Cox, and I'm a psychotherapist. As women, we understand how hard it is for us to express anger, and we want to support you to do it better for the sake of your mental and physical health. This week, I want to offer a challenge to our listeners. Mm. Um, oh, so tell me. The women of Iceland have just, as in the country Iceland, <laughs> not the... What else? The supermarket. The supermarket. Oh, right. <laughs> no, I thought it was the country. <laughs> um, we're well-travelled. We're well-travelled, exactly. Yeah. Most yeah. people would have just gone to the country. Um, they've been on strike this week, and uh, that is to campaign for equal rights, gender pay rights, and violence and to stop violence against women. Now, what they've done is um, decided that they won't be performing any paid or unpaid work. I think it's for the day. Um, And it got me thinking about what would happen if the women we knew decided to just down tools and and stop. And I thought about the feelings that would come from that and the huge amounts of guilt and anxiety that would be generated. I'm I'm already going, but I can't join in with this one. So Right, right. Exactly. It feel which is shocking, isn't it? But also illustrative Mm. of how much you do that is so integral to people's lives literal Mm. lives um yeah so I was thinking as a kind of milder alternative could we um challenge our dear listenership to try just um dropping one task in their week whether that's doing the washing doing the washing up unloading a dishwasher, maybe doing one less school run, whatever it is that feels like no one's going to die if I, you know, don't do this. Um, And let us know what you chose to ditch and how it felt and also how it impacted other people. Did they really notice? And what did that mean for the system, for the family system or the work system or whatever it it is um and dm us on insta or email us on admin at womenarmad.org and 
let us know. Let's be scientific yeah, and observe our findings. Indeed, in our white coats. Brilliant. <laughs> Which we now have time for because we're lying down. Yes, this is so true. We're on yeah. our sofas with our feet up. Yeah. Um, and um, let me also introduce our guest this week. Oh, lovely. Today, we are overjoyed to welcome our favourite expert in women's hormonal health, the incredible Dr. Louise Newson. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm going to launch straight in and ask you, what makes you angry? You know, I've been thinking about this all weekend and I'm far less angry than I was seven years ago when I was perimenopausal. I'm angry that women aren't listened to. I'm angry about the medical gaslighting that's going on. I'm angry about misogyny. And I'm angry that the conversation about female hormones hasn't really moved on in the past 80, 100 years. Mm-hmm. That makes me angry. Mm. I'm also really angry for the stories <laughs> that I hear day in, day out from women who are just struggling to get their own hormones back to live a life that they want. And I'm also angry that... I'm not taking this seriously enough as perhaps I should because I'm only a GP in inverted commas. And, you know, this medical hierarchy that goes on mm-hmm. makes me really angry as well, actually. Mm-hmm. Is that enough anger to start? Oh, that's, that's, that's brilliant. That's oh my gosh, I've got so um, much to chip in with. Go, Salima, you go first. Same. I mean, I, so as a perimenopausal woman... <laughs> So I'm in my mid forties. I've gone through. I've gone through all of this this summer, Louise, and taking much inspiration from you and uh, how you talk about it. And I think it's extraordinary how, despite the fact that I'm relatively confident, relatively assertive, educated, mm-hmm. I have had to fight mm-hmm. over the last few months dealing with my GP um, and getting the hormones that I was wanting and needing um, because of the language that I was using and we would normally ask people more specifically about their personal selves. But if you don't mind, I'm going to divert here and ask you for a couple of tips. Mm. As in the language that women, perimenopausal women in particular, because friends who are further in in are able to access the language, I think a little more easily with GPs, but women who are experiencing emotional shifts and if you don't mind me saying that's my that's my own personal experience at the moment, as opposed to physical shifts, that's where the language seems to break down in certain medical settings. What can we do? For those people who are listening who don't really know what the perimenopause is or even the menopause is, what's very interesting is that our hormones, which are just chemical messengers, work all over our body. So they leave, we're talking about our sex hormones here, so estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, leave our ovaries, go into our bloodstream and go all around our body. But the most important effect they actually have is not on our fertility, not on our periods, on our brain. And so we know, I was reading a paper actually at the weekend from 1938, and it says the most common symptom is anxiety. You know, we knew then, we know now that our hormones and neurotransmitters, they work on our mood. When I when we look at um, people who use our free balance app to monitor symptoms, the commonest symptoms are anxiety, low mood, memory problems, poor sleep, you know, fatigue. Hot flushes is there, but it's number eight or nine. It's not yeah. at the top. So so these emotional symptoms can be very, very common and they can change a lot. And the perimenopause is where 
people have hormonal changes before their periods stop. And actually, women are defined by their periods or fertility, of course. Why else do we function? Well, of course we're not. You know, we That's are defined all for. By, yeah, <laughs> totally. And so, and this is where the whole narrative of the menopause stopping periods. I don't give a flying monkey's age 53 about my periods. Right. What I do care about is how well my brain is working, right. how healthy my body is, how many diseases I can reduce by having a healthy lifestyle. Um, and so, and so this is where it can be very difficult for women to justify having their own hormones back almost because there's no blood test, there's no hormone, you know, saliva test, urine test, whatever you can buy over the internet is a waste of time because when you're perimenopausal, your hormones can be very high and they can be very low. And this is causes a lot of confusion because if you did one of these tests and your level was normal, your doctor or healthcare professional might say, well, sorry, your hormones are normal. Yes, they were at that time. It's like looking out of the window when it's raining, but 23 <laughs> hours of the day, it's sunny. And you're telling me, well, it's raining. And I'm saying, no, 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 it's sunny. You know, and, and so at three in the morning or at four in the afternoon, when you've got an uncontrollable rage or sadness, yeah. your hormone levels will be low, but no one's going to come running into your house and take the blood. Exactly. Yeah. And so then it's really hard to prove. And mm. I, think about it a lot actually and I've missed a lot of women over the years as a GP because they've come with symptoms of low mood anxiety poor sleep muscle and joint pain headaches never once did I think about their hormones because it's pattern recognition in medicine often and I've now been doing dedicated menopause work for seven years and I've seen and heard from thousands and thousands of women and I also have seen the response when they've been given the right dose and type of hormones in that a lot of their symptoms, especially emotional and psychological symptoms, do improve. It's not a placebo. Women are not those sorts of people. Women actually, you know, are quite surprised often how they can sleep better, they can think clearer, they're calmer, they don't have these intrusive thoughts, they don't have so much anxiety, they can multitask again. And that makes sense when we look at the neurophysiology and how our hormones work in our brains. But actually, it's quite nebulous then, isn't it, to go to your doctor and go, oh, I'm feeling a bit sad. Can I have some right. hormones? And I'm only 38. Mm. And I've been to very high level meetings where they've said it's outrageous that women are asking for their hormones back. And, you know, they now oh, think wow. of Davina that they they're going to improve their muscle and joint pains or their sleep will improve by hormones. Like almost how dare they are. How dare they, yeah. How dare and, they. And yeah, I would, um, it was a, about three years ago now, not long after I developed Balance App actually, and um, some people very high up in the NHS were saying, um, we should be making the diagnosis and we have to be asking very careful questions about whether their periods are changing in nature or frequency, really focusing on the periods. And I'm saying, well, do you know what? A lot of women don't actually monitor their periods at all because mm. they come and go. It's not it's not the most important thing in our life at all. And so a lot of women actually won't know when their periods are. But actually what they will know is there will be some hormonal changes because they'll recognize that a lot of their symptoms they're experiencing are similar to just how they've been feeling a day or two before their periods for many years. Mm. It's often an extension of that because that's the time when your hormone levels are low. So why mm. don't we empower women with the right knowledge and information? They can download the app or whatever, or a symptom questionnaire, work out the symptoms, and then they can go and say to their doctor, look, these are my symptoms. 
could I talk about HRT? And then I got a text from someone very high up because it's easier to text because you, then you don't check, you know, monitor their email thread. So he texts me and said, Louise, I completely disagree with what you were saying in the meeting because um, women for many years have been asking for antibiotics inappropriately for their children with sore throats. We don't want to get into the same with them asking inappropriately for HRT. And you've already said that they don't know when their periods are. So how are they going to know what their symptoms are? And I just, you know, this is why I get cross. This is why. It's such a poor view of womankind. It totally is. But the other thing is, across the board, yeah. It is totally. And I've been told off a lot, and I will still continue um, about being, you know, the menopause making it a condition, a disease, an illness, whatever, and over-medicalizing it. But actually, it's very easy to over-medicalize the menopause or perimenopause with antidepressants, with painkillers, with sleeping tablets. And so if I went to a doctor and said, do you know what, I'm feeling really flat, really low, I can't sleep, I've got feelings of low self-worth, low self-esteem, I'm really tearful, Um, could I have some antidepressants? I think I'm depressed. That would be very easy. Whereas if I go with all those same symptoms and say, yeah, and I'm 53 and my periods have stopped and, you know, I've never had HRT, I really want it. Often, not always, it would be a lot harder. And I'm not blaming any GPs or healthcare professionals here because I would have done the same 10 years ago. Mm. If you don't have that training and knowledge and clinical experience Mm. and you have big bodies like the British Medical Association referring to HRT as poison, which they did recently on a webinar, then it's, I know, don't even get me started. Then it's going to be very difficult, isn't it? Because also there's all this, yes, but there's so much harm with hormones and what about breast cancer risk and what about everything else, which I'm happy to talk about, Mm -hmm. or what about the doses that you're prescribing you know the danger danger what we haven't been allowed for many years as healthcare professionals and women to think well what are the harms of not having treatment what are the harms of not having our hormones it isn't just a lifestyle drug we don't take it because we want to look like Davina bless her she's great but I'm never going to look like Davina. None of us are. <laughs> you don't want to be. We don't need to. We're all no. different. Yeah. But Louise, can I can I ask? Can I can I I I want to know now about you, about the you underneath all of this, because it's you are so passionate, and it's just glorious hearing the the sort of focus and the the love that you have for the subject, and also the idea behind. Behind it of, of helping so many women, which you undoubtedly, undeniably have, hundreds of thousands. And um, I just, I mean, we're curious, what does it feel like for you to be an icon? <laughs> and, also the pre- and the pressure, Louise. I mean, I imagine it's a huge responsibility. And um, people have a will have lots of opinions, presumably, about oh, yes. you. Yes, so ha- do. How, how do you hold that and well, cope? How do you cope? It's interesting. I, I sort of feel like I live in a parallel world. So I don't rest on my laurels and I don't sit and reflect and think how wonderful I am. All I do is think how much more there needs to be done. So I'm sort of, I was one of these really annoying girls at school that got 98% in maths exam and be really annoyed. Where was that 2%? What didn't I get? Great. So that's how I've always been, I suppose. Um, I've always, I'm quite a pessimist and I don't have the self-confidence that people maybe expect. So I'm one of these people, I'm very happy going on to, uh, you know, television, talking 
on a stage, but put me in a room as a cocktail party, I would just hide behind my husband. I would hate it. I don't like talking about me. Um, And so, I mean, I'm happy to talk about me if someone asks, of course, but I'm not as sort of, I don't see myself as an icon as a person. I just see myself as a messenger. And of course, yes, the messenger gets shot. And I, uh, there's a lot of Witch hunt for me. There's can we talk about this? Can we? Can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it on. It's fine. Something about but, this. Uh, but yeah, where does it? Yeah, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, I'm very, very lucky because I've got the most amazing family, and I've got three daughters who mm. are quite, you know, the different, a different generation. But they're really open, and they've really, really propped me up. And they're like, "Mummy, this is just outrageous. This is ridiculous." And I think it's very easy to see somebody. Wearing a nice dress and lots of makeup on on this morning, thinking she's got it all. Mm. But they don't see me at all hours, working all the time, mm. you know, never switching off, always mm. thinking about how can I reach those people that I'm never going to get paid from, never going to make money from, but how can I make a difference to as many people as possible? I, so, I, you know, but that's the same in anything in life. Everyone's got a backstory. Yes. And, and that's that, such yeah. a great point, Louise, to make that I think particularly women, when we've been, when some of us have been out of the workplace, we're coming back in, might have families, um, Sometimes it appears that everybody else is a beautiful swan yeah. and has managed to achieve. <laughs> Have it sewn up. Yes. Oh, and yeah, totally. And, and actually, every woman, woman that we speak to on this podcast says similar and kind of blows the doors off and says, yes, but I was up all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for sense, I mean, it's, yeah. it's the first day of school today and I yeah. get to work, good routine, lovely. I've only got one daughter at home now. And and she, she messaged me and said, uh, what's my locker number? Like, oh, no. <laughs> Um, luckily she's quite organized so she has got her lock of keys but luckily I could find it on the email you know do a little screenshot send it to her oh my god like it is just organized chaos my life but I think that makes you a lot more grounded isn't it so I Mm -hmm. can do like I spoke at Carfest and I got a standing ovation it was amazing right but then my 12 year old had lost her handbag that she'd bought from some street seller in Spain and it was at a fake Prada handbag and she's like oh, you last had it yeah yeah but mm. she's quite she's quite level-headed but then she found it in the glove box of our car where she'd safely put it so we had a bit of a laugh but that things like that bring you down because yeah. they're not going oh mummy you were wonderful it's like no it's your fault it's your fault and bag. I think this is the thing so, that women are up against actually yeah. if we're honest it's we are the bins for the family yeah but we're also if we dare to stick our heads above the parapet with the bins of society yeah. and yes. Yes. trash yeah. that needs to get thrown it lands yeah. you know at our door so in so i would like to know where would you like to see the conversation going about peri and menopause over the next 5 to 10 years well, it's not just that, actually, it's hormones mm. in general. So Great. a lot of yeah. work we do is PMS, PMDD. You know, I'm very interested in um, gender inequality in sport, in, in all, all ages, actually. And I'm very interested in testosterone for all ages. So if I can, I would like to say about hormone health, actually. And actually for men, too, because a lot of men are testosterone deficient. And that's, that's again, really difficult for men to address. Mm. So I would really like our hormones hormones as in testosterone, estrogen, progesterone for women, testosterone for men to be seen as what they are, biologically active hormones with disease modifying effects that reduce inflammation, reduce risk of disease and improve quality of life and well-being. Mm. So 
you know, that would be a That's massive the plan. Step. Yeah. And I, and I suppose to distinguish between the emotive ideas that are linked to to the decline yes. or the the ups and downs of these hormones. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting that when I use the word perimenopause with some friends, they go. You know, mm. uh, but you you can't be Salima or you can't and I'm like yeah I, I mean I am I mean there's yeah, no and it's I'm this still negative connotation as well I think which is a real really? shame and you know, I, I spoke to a lady yesterday actually it was Sunday yesterday and I was at a netball tournament but awful for my 12 year old daughter so I was hiding a lot in fields on my laptop and just popped out for her matches and I phoned a lady who'd reached out through my social media and she'd had the most horrendous story story of sexual abuse from her her father her husband had tried to commit suicide and was now a, she was a complete carer for him because his um suicide attempt had, had not worked and he'd had some brain damage and she was menopausal and um she actually didn't know where to go with mm. her menopause because she was on a low dose of hrt gp said you can't have any more and she said it's like a switch has gone off in my brain i've planned how I'm going to end my life because I can't carry on like this. I feel just numb. And she she was talking about her son and she said, but I'm just joyless. I have no, no interest in things at all. And she's got the most amazing insight. And I reached out to her and I spoke to her and she said, I just can't believe that you're speaking to me on a Sunday afternoon. But actually it's, you know, it's awful, isn't it? That people have to get that yes, bad. It is, it is awful. It is awful. Um, and, and it's like, why is it so difficult? Of course, she's on an antidepressant. Of course, that's easy for her to access. And she's on a low dose of hormones and being told she can't have any more. But it, it's why is it so difficult, you know? And why and also- is it? But Sorry, I just want to ask about emotions on this point, because I think women but there's so much on a woman's plate like typically there isn't time no one wants the emotion from her there isn't time society doesn't have room shut up you're the bin you're the Mm. one we rely on carry on have an antidepressant and and it's just like from where i sit as a therapist i mean this drives me crazy Mm. um there just isn't space for emotion in our in our everyday lives and if like salima you're saying when you say perimenopause what no one wants to talk about it in case you say something um disturbing but, but, but also, or, or but real. Also it's, it's, and it's the sexualization it's how women mm. are deemed it's it's unsexy to say like <laughs> yes i'm perimenopausal but what why should it be un mm. unwomanly unsexy un you know, yeah, what, and, and why it, shouldn't I demand certain aspects of me to flourish over the next 30, 40, 50 years? What, why I think you- so. And I think it's really interesting that we I did a presentation recently at a, at a conference. We did a, a survey for women looking at cultural differences about the menopause. And, you know, there's some women saying it, it's a it's a hidden secret. It's a shame. And, you know, in certain cultures, it really is. If you don't have periods, if you're not fertile, that's how you're defined. And it can be very difficult to talk about it but you only have to google menopause and it's white middle-class women with a fan you know i don't identify myself as any of these gray-haired women i never had a hot flush i had one hot flush but Mm. you know um if i was 
30, 20, if I was black or Asian, where do I identify? And actually, you know, what I'm trying to do, I suppose, also with my work is, you know, the menopause, perimenopause should be the really positive time of your life. And everyone seems to think, oh, it's only about HRT. Well, HRT is wonderful, of course, and has many benefits, but there's no point me taking HRT and having whiskey you know, every morning on my <laughs> on my frosties and having McDonald's at lunch and never doing exercise. You know, but it's it's empowering women to have the right choices. And I can't think of any other area of medicine where people are just denied an evidence based treatment. Mm. And that's for me a real issue. Like if someone so- could say to me, Louise, this is the reason, then that's fine. But I think also you know, I've got a first class honours degree in pathology. I'm also a physician. I'm not just a GP who doesn't know very much. Mm. Um, so bring it on. Give me a real academic argument why mm. we can keep denying women an evidence-based treatment, but I've still not heard anything. And so this is where I think women not having a voice and also not having any advocates out there really to help. You know, I look at women who are socially deprived about in some areas only two percent of menopause women are prescribed hrt how many of those are on antidepressants how many of those are overweight how many of those have type 2 diabetes you know it doesn't it just doesn't seem right you look in prisons we've known even since the 50s from some amazing work by someone called Katriona Dalton, that women are more likely to commit a crime just before their periods. Mm -hmm. And we know that hormones reduce just before the periods. There's a lot of women who are do all sorts of things when their hormones aren't right. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying let's blame hormones for everything, no, but, but let's the, look at it. And yeah, reality. Yeah. And let's also realize that women who have um, many different types of antidepressants, antipsychotics, but also things like the implant for contraception, they're stopping fertility. The other drugs are, help, are interfering with hormones, but they're actually causing a chemical menopause. So there's a lot of women out there who have less of their own endogenous hormones, estrogen, progesterone testosterone than they would do otherwise mm-hmm. and but they're being told oh you'll like that because you know your life's a bit rubbish or your job's not great or your partner's doing whatever to you but actually could it be their hormones and why well, can't we think about, about that not listening again isn't mm, it and i it think is. it's so interesting i just want to say actually on on for louise yourself how within the medical profession you are experiencing still people not listening not wanting to hear your voice yeah even so, to your voice even your voice. <laughs> yes. yeah yeah and this mm. is but this is i do think this is the, the woman's plight actually is if you were a man saying this I'm not sure that you'd experience as many people trying to politely shut you down or No, not disagree. at all. I do sometimes think if I was my husband doing this job, he would be an right. absolute saint. But but actually some of the bullying that I'm getting is from other women, which I think is really, oh, really? interesting. The internalized it's patriarchy. From men, but it, yeah, mm. yeah, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, colleague, colleagues or women who are not in the medical profession, it's both, but it actually it's mainly driven by um, other colleagues who are interestingly gynecologists who there's there's a few sort of groups and charities, societies who have sort of owned the menopause space. And traditionally, and I don't quite know why, well, historically, the menopause has been given to gynecologists. And mm. gynecologists are great, but they look at diseases of the ovaries and the mm. womb. Mm. And they sort of very much look at bikini medicine, really. And so when I'm talking about, you know, the disease modifying effects of 
Easter dial with respect to brain function and mitochondrial function and, you know, anti-inflammatory properties. They really glaze, but they don't want to learn and they don't want to think. And they, there's this big narrative, I'm sure some people have read about the dosing of estrogen. And yeah. it's just basic pharmacology. Our skin is a barrier. Everyone absorbs in a different way. But but they don't want to talk. They don't want to listen. They just want to silence me. But what they do is, I mean, they've gone to all sorts of bodies like the General Medical Council, which has been fine. The General Medical Council have agreed that I'm fine to practice the way that I do. Wow. But they've also, you know, worked with the Mail on Sunday. They work with other healthcare professionals. Um, you know, there was an Australasian Menopause Society meeting um, a couple of nights, well, days ago, I was being texted at night time, of course, by someone to say, someone's even asking over there, what, what's Dr. Louise Newson's practice really like? And are you concerned? It's like, hang on a minute. Why don't you come oh, and sit in my clinic? Why don't you come and, and look? And the other thing is, you know, I'm not a gynecologist, but I see 98% of women who come to our clinic have psychological symptoms. We do see a lot of women, like this woman I spoke to yesterday, who have very dark, intrusive thoughts. A lot of them have been already seen by psychiatrists. But of course, those women would never present to a gynecologist. So when the gynecologists sit with me and say, there's no mental health component of the menopause, well, it isn't in their clinic. They won't see these women. No. Also, when they're saying, well, there's no point changing the dose of HRT because it's obviously not hormonal because they're not better on their HRT. About a third of women who come to our clinic are already on HRT, showing that it's not, you know, the right dose or type, because I know that a lot of women will feel better, of course, not 100% better with hormones, nothing's as simplistic as just giving one treatment. But once the hormones are balanced, they're more likely to exercise, they're more likely to eat better, they're more likely to sleep better, the whole part of the jigsaw is completed. But these gynecologists don't follow people up because they're not allowed to because they just push them back to the primary care. Uh-huh. A lot of gynecologists don't even prescribe HRT. They'll just write to the GP and say, can you prescribe X, Y, Z? Whereas, you know, as a GP, but also in my clinic, we're constantly reviewing our own patients. And, and it's holistic. The day You're looking yeah, at the whole totally. person. And, yeah. and, you know, we're very lucky. I can, I can talk to them about yoga and exercise and nutrition and, you know, the gut microbes in a way that I could never do in 10 minutes as a GP. Mm. But it, it, yeah, it's really weird. I wasn't, I was expecting when you put your head up above the parapet, you expect it from the public. But what upsets me is that it's it's other healthcare professionals who actually seem to have a very personal attack on me. It's not even my clinic, it's me. And they don't know anything about me. And that's what I feel really sad. You know, so what's it- the motivation behind that? That's interesting to me that, that, yeah. a, that a colleague, what, what would motivate? I get the mail on Sunday approach. Well, I that's envy. I mean, that's just envy, surely. It's interesting, isn't it? And lots Mm. of people say Mm. it's professional jealousy, but Mm. you know what? I challenge any of them to really enjoy the life that I have and the hours that I work. And, you know, I think... uh, Calling people from a netball... And I think also, you know, I would earn so much more money if I was a private gynecologist right. doing just my own clinic. I think people forget that, you know, as an organization, Newson Health Group has given so much money for balanced apples 
obviously it funds balance out. We don't have any external investment. It also spent over £300,000 on education for healthcare professionals. And we do a lot of outreach work for different charities, you know, all sorts. Mm. But one of them recently said to someone else, oh, Louise's work has not helped women at all. And you think, well, and you, you just think, really, you know, if I was really concerned about someone's work, and I do remember actually that, you know, we we were very concerned about Patterson's practice, you know, the breast surgeon, because he worked in Solihull, which is where my clinical practice was. And it took us, oh, it was about seven years before it actually came to the surface of going back and forth to the managers, to the chief exec of the hospital. And we weren't, you know, believe saying we've seen these cases, we're a bit concerned. But if you're concerned about a healthcare professional, you go around the right channels and you do it properly and you approach him what we did we approached him and his team and his nurses you know these people should be coming talking to other clinicians who work here coming and sitting in the clinic you know you do Mm. things in a certain way and in medicine you know the reason I went into medicine was to try and help people feel better I remember at the age of seven playing doctors and nurses with my dad and saying you must be the nurse I'm the doctor I want to be in charge and I want to help people get better and that's really what we want to do don't we well isn't it but isn't it interesting how long it took you to or and and your colleagues who were fighting against this guy or getting trying to get you know the, the case heard um how long it took that to be taken seriously he's a man he's sitting pretty everyone's kind of telling you to shush and get back mm. in the cage mm. but as soon as you make yourself more public and make your message more public oh it doesn't take very long at all for people to start questioning that and for that to get taken straight to the gmc thank Mm. you thinking just about my grandmother's era and they hid behind their aprons didn't they they often didn't drive they had this sort of role in society that you would put up or shut up you just carry on if i'm a woman who who is struggling emotionally i think we we understand a little more about physical symptoms now um with hormonal shifts and my gp is not being responsive what language can i use to move the conversation forward yeah i think documenting symptoms is really important so having a list you know download the health report or just get a list from an internet with the questions on that you've answered about symptoms so it's easier to show it rather than talk right. especially when they're emotional symptoms because it can make you more emotional talking about how bad yes. you feel if you can ideally go with somebody who can act as your advocate mm. and then i would really say look i've read about the perimenopause or menopause i would like to try hrt for 3 to six months to see if it has any improvement. I understand that hormone blood tests are not going to be helpful regardless of your age because they vary so much. So please, could I try? If that doctor, nurse, pharmacist, whoever says no, then I would then say, could you let me know why you are refusing me an evidence-based guidance, uh, evidence-based treatment? The NICE guidance from 2015 are very clear that for the majority of women, the benefits of taking HRT outweigh any risk risks. Um, I don't understand what risks you think outweigh my potential benefits. The other thing is, is that HRT is fully reversible. So if I use it today and stop it tomorrow, it will be out of my system the day after. As a consenting adult, I would like to try a treatment that may or may not help in the same way there's an antidepressant may or may not help. But I also understand there are health benefits to my bones, brain and heart from taking HRT. 
if you deny it, there are actually risks of me not taking HRT. This might be a lot to take on board if you're still (laughs) saying no. Perhaps you could write down the reasons why you're refusing or could you give me um, a name of an alternative person who works at this practice that who might be able to help me? Excellent. I think that's so valuable. That's that's really valuable, Louise. It really is. Well, what you don't want to do, or what women Mm. don't want to do, is fall out with their doctors. Because you know, if you then have a chest infection, you don't want to be known as that gobby doctor, that gobby patient who was rude. And Mm. and actually, you know, I used to despair when people used to come with me and say, "I want this new treatment," and they bring out the front page of the Daily Mail, and it's this study of two people that have transformed. You know something and I think oh no but then I would also think right maybe I should read that paper maybe I should understand what's going on and I want to be kept up to date Mm -hmm. so if that doctor nurse pharmacist had three or four people in a week or a day saying a similar thing then I'm really hoping they'll be thinking about I need to do some more education and our educational program's being launched which is going to be available for anybody so healthcare professionals women men children I don't care who accesses it but it will all have access um, to the, exactly the same modules and the same evidence-based information you know my dream is that every woman has the information relevant to her about the perimenopause menopause hormonal health and every healthcare professional globally has enough information and then the dots can be joined and then my clinic can close and I can go and sit in a dark room it will be lovely. Yes. <laughs> Louise I'm very aware that we've taken up way more of your time than you said so so I just want to say I am so grateful to speak to you both Jen and I are really in awe of what you do actually. Oh. Thank you for, for wearing the crown because you know yeah it take heavy it. at times. <laughs> yeah. yeah indeed it is but no yeah. thank you um, I it's been really wonderful speaking to you today and it's great Likewise. what you're doing as well so thank you. Tune in next time and remember you're not mad to feel mad. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.